Thank you, Pastor. To be retired means that you need to keep being tired till you get it right. <laughs> so uh, we're still working on it. I, I think I'm on the right track with um, the messages because um, Tim mentioned Psalm 127 uh, in his opening prayer. Pastor mentioned Leviticus 25 and Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, Ricardo prayed from Psalm 115, so I think we can have lunch and go home. (laughs) And then Fiona sang, don't forget. I think I've got the microphone on, is that right? We're all good? Well, good morning. It is still just morning. Thank you, Pastor, for the opportunity to be here. Thank you, uh, present, past, members of Calvary Baptist Church for the opportunity to be here. Uh, To celebrate a 50th is uh, pretty rare. Uh, I think Rose City was um, a little while ago 50 at uh, Westburn. We were 50 last year. I was just thinking through uh, churches uh, in uh, this area since I've been in Melbourne since 1985 and uh, there are more than 10 churches that don't exist anymore. Didn't make it to 50. Let's pray before we uh, continue on. Our Father, we are thankful to lift our voices in praise, uh, to bow before you in prayer, uh, to remember those that have been faithful, those that have gone before, those that are currently here. Uh, And in all that you're doing amongst us, uh, that we have a privilege to be a part of. And this day as we uh, look back and as we look forward and as we uh, would be thankful for this day that we have, Uh, We thank you that we can commit ourselves to you now as we would open the word of God, as we would look to you for uh, enabling, for wisdom, for encouragement, uh, for boldness, uh, for grace, uh, for uh, all that you delight to shower upon us every day. Uh, We thank you for this time and we do commit ourselves to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Our thoughts are on this year of Jubilee, and uh, as the pastor mentioned, all the things that are involved in it, I thought, well, he's just about got half the message there, so that's all right. Um, But um, jubilation is uh, what uh, it's all about. Uh, It's uh, to be shouting for joy, and uh, we could be almost forgiven for becoming a little bit charismatic and saying, thank you, Lord, hallelujah, glory. Uh, Glory. Uh, What a wonderful thing to have come this far. Uh, We're celebrating God's goodness. uh, And as we look back, we have much to look back on. Uh, There's going to be a film a little bit later on. And uh, some of you will have uh, many things to uh, chuckle about, perhaps, uh, as we look back. When we remember and when we look back, Uh, We think of uh, the things that were, 
Uh, perhaps we think of the things that might have been, that could have been, and perhaps even those that should have been. Uh, but that's all in the past. We're here today and we have opportunity to look to the future, uh, to look to the promises of God, uh, to look forward to our Lord's coming again, to look forward to our heavenly home, to look forward to his faithfulness ongoing day by day and we say hallelujah, thank you Lord. And we're just about jumping up and down, aren't we? How good is God? Today we look to the present then and we need to have a spiritual groundwork for moving on. Pastor mentioned uh, the uh, requirements for the people of Israel in Leviticus chapter 25. You don't need to turn there. Uh, but uh, just to recap quickly, uh, it was a time of rejoicing. If you were a slave, you were given your freedom. Uh, it was a time of uh, rejoicing if you were a worker because you had a year off. Uh, but if you had to feed your family, uh, if you had to look at uh, the glorious weather and the perfect conditions and obey God and say, I'm not going to prepare my land, I'm not going to sow my seed, I'm not going to harvest on the 49th year because that was the seventh Sabbath year that they were supposed to take off and then follow that by the 50th year that you were supposed to take off as well and uh, you had to trust God when he said that on the 48th year there would be grain abundant for three years before you could harvest what you planted in the 51st. It's time of huge challenge. Uh, not so much perhaps a time of rejoicing when you didn't obey God and you didn't obey that sabbatical year and you didn't obey the year of Jubilee, uh, you had to live with that and uh, we know from history uh, that Israel hardly ever did. There's no record of them ever having obeyed God and trusted Him for such a wonderful provision. So the 50th uh, was an opportunity that went begging. It was an opportunity to exercise enormous faith and to have it answered by a God who is even more enormous. And they missed that opportunity. They didn't obey to not work. They worked. They didn't obey to not plant and to not harvest. And they did all of that. They didn't let their slaves go. Uh, they still charged interest on outstanding monies that should have been left interest-free for that whole year. So what can we learn from all of that? Well, we can learn from the Word of God that there are some principles uh, in this uh, number 50 uh, that uh, would be a benefit to us. Uh, we have um, in our Bible, in Psalm 119, an alphabet uh, from the first letter to the last letter, 22 stanzas of eight verses each. Uh, and uh, the 14th stanza that begins in verse 105 uh, is uh, what the number 50 is in the Hebrew. It's a little bit like the Roman language. Uh, the alphabet letters are also the numbers. So well, what can we learn from uh, the letter noon? If you have a, a Bible there that shows you the uh, Hebrew uh, character, uh, you'll see it's um, a little... It's an image of a, of, of a stooping figure in worship. Uh, and that's what uh, we ought to be. We ought to be stooping figures of worship, saying thank you, Lord, that we can exercise our faith 
and you are a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So we have a great privilege uh, this morning. So Psalm 119 uh, verses 105 to 112, uh, we see before it that little uh, uh, Hebrew character uh, representing the number 50. Uh, The number 50, Hebrew scholars uh, tell us, has to do with endurance. Uh, This is a picture of endurance, uh, the stooped figure. Uh, When uh, that letter appears at the end of a word, uh, it's uh, not that stooped figure, it's a a raised, erect, it's a high figure, uh, picturing someone uh, who has uh, uh, had the privilege to see God at work and worship God and has endured and he's saying, thank you Lord. And isn't that what we're doing here today? But it takes time to endure and you don't get to be enduring until you get to the end and as pastor said there have been people over the many years that uh, are now in glory uh, that have endured and it's your turn Calvary Baptist Church to be enduring now uh, to be bowed before uh, a God that loves you uh, and to exercise your faith to do things that seem impossible uh, seem ridiculous uh, to the intellect uh, to, uh, to waste a good season and not plant when everything is perfect because God said he would provide for you in some other way. Take some trust to do that. So I would encourage us to trust the Lord today and to look for a faithful end that would please him. So to endure for three years without planting, waiting for a harvest... Uh, to have uh, no workers, to have let your people go, uh, to start again. That's what happens after the 50th. It's a time for a new start, time for a restart, time for a reset. How often have we heard all that stuff lately about uh, restarting and resetting? But that's what's uh, uh, in this uh, little number here, this uh, number 50. Um, it's uh, also uh, a symbol uh, of uh, abundance. Uh, In Aramaic, it's the word for fish, uh, for uh, the uh, abundance that is pictured in fish. You see schools of fish, if you've ever been spear fishing and skin diving, and it's a long time ago that I did any of that. Uh, But uh, there's millions of fish out there, and it's a picture of abundance, it's a picture of fertility. If you've uh, had the pleasure of catching a fish and and cleaning it and gutting it and you find that it's a female with roe, there, there are millions of eggs in that one fish. It's all pictured in here, the abundance that was there for them if they would trust God. Uh, but it has a, a, what uh, some call a, a shadow side, uh, a downside uh, of uh, this uh, fruitfulness, this abundance, uh, this enduring Uh, And it's the tendency to go it alone and to not involve other people because you might become distracted by them. And uh, we're all distracting to each other at some time or another, are we not? Even though Pastor read from Ephesians chapter 4, a lovely passage uh, about uh, the togetherness that we have and that we are in Christ. Uh, But sometimes uh, as iron sharpens iron, Uh, We rub up the wrong way and uh, there's a fair bit of friction uh, and instead of a nice smooth polishing and a lovely result, uh, there are little rough edges here and there that need to be ground down even more and uh, the Lord is faithful to do all of that. 
and what a lovely thing it is that he would do that for us. So Psalm 119, if you would follow along, uh, you'll see the, the eight verses fall into uh, four little lots of two and uh, we'll take a, a little bit of time uh, just to uh, look through uh, what is here for us. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I have sworn and I will perform it that I will keep thy righteous judgments. I am afflicted very much. Quicken me, O Lord, according unto thy word. Accept, I beseech thee, the freewill offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me thy judgments. My soul is continually in my hand, yet do I not forget thy law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I erred not from thy precepts. Thy testimonies have I taken as an heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. I have inclined my heart to perform thy statutes always, even unto the end. All those things that are pictured in that letter that a Hebrew person, uh, when he sees that and when he reads this, uh, would understand uh, what this means. Uh, You will have noticed, and I'm sure you know already, that Uh, Psalm 119, uh, all bar um, two or three verses, uh, refer to the Word of God. Uh, Ten different descriptions of the Word of God, not uh, repetition for the sake of it, but all all unique and all different. And uh, we have seven of them mentioned here. Uh, We see uh, the Word referred to, God's revelation, uh, the things that He has spoken about Himself. It's relevant that uh, that word is used in some of these verses and in other verses we read that he has righteous judgments, holy standards, ordinances so that we can know what pleases him. This is not legalism, this is grace, this is, this is love in action. And then it speaks of his judgments, decisions so that we know what to do. His law is uh, referred to here, the teaching regarding his regulations, regulating, uh, giving order, giving a sense of continuity, lovely things that we need, especially if we're having a year off and we're wondering what's going to happen to us. Precepts, the instructions of a superior that have been entrusted to us. We need to do something with them. We need to guard them. We need to protect them. We need to live according to them. Then it talks about his testimonies. God's own testimony of his will and his way for us. And then we see his statutes, things that have been permanently engraved as regulation and ought to be engraved on our heart. So we see what the the Lord would have for us here. First of all, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Uh, How well we know this. Uh, We could see in this, and if we're looking for a title for the message, uh, it could be in several parts. Uh, We see the power of the word of God to guide, to give light for the way, and might it be the desire of our heart the desire of our heart today as we have our 50th anniversary celebration. So what do we see here in verse 105? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. 
It's a recognition of God's power to guide, first of all. Recognition of God's power. Do we believe that God is able to guide Calvary Baptist Church into its 51st year? Uh, We're going to hear testimony of how from 1973 onwards uh, he has been doing that. The evidence is here in this room today. What a lovely thing that we can say, I recognise God's power to give guidance in my life. The nation of Israel in their day did not recognise that. They read this over and over and over and over and over again and they didn't believe it. Can you believe that they would not believe that? It's an amazing thing, isn't it? To be so unbelieving of something so profound uh, and so wonderful and yet so simple. So simple. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Night and day, the lamp for night, the light for the day, Near and far, the little oil lamp that you would uh, tie to your sandal and you would walk and there would be a little pool of light just big enough for you to see where to put your next step so that it's not down a hole or not on a scorpion or a centipede or something like that. Uh, And uh, you're confident in that. And then uh, for the um, uh, light, for the the path ahead, uh, the long view, the big picture, the Word of God gives us all of that. But do we heed it? Do we listen to it? Do we obey it? Is the question we need to ask. The lamp must be lit. The oil must be put in. The wick needs trimming. The oil needs topping up. It's not just knowing the word of God and not just knowing that this is true. We have to live it, don't we? We have to keep trimming the wick. We have to keep lighting it. We have to keep topping up the oil. We have to make sure that it's all functioning properly. And then we need to go where it points us to go. It's not rocket science as we say, but it was impossible for them to do on their 50th. It's light for the teachable, not for the curious only. Those that want to criticise those that would ask the Lord something we read in the Gospels just so they could trick him in his words. The light is to satisfy the faithful, give satisfaction to the faithful. How lovely it is to get a good word from a friend, from family, uh, in song, from the preaching, from fellowship. The light is for the seeker, those that want to find God, those that want an answer to the Uh, to the maddening questions of life, the crazy stuff that's going on in the world. Joshua, when uh, he was confronted with the prospect of leadership, uh, heard, I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Imagine how encouraged he would have been with that. Hebrews 13.5, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, there is an abundance of overflowing promises of God's guidance. Will we let him lead? It's not complicated, is it? Day and night, thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Then verse 106, I have sworn and I will perform it that I will keep thy righteous judgments. This is not the word now, these are his holy standards, I will keep them. 
Because I want to know what pleases you, Lord. I want to know. I want to do it. A resolution to comply is what we see here in verse 106. Yield to his leading. Fit for the master's use. Righteous judgments. Our desire and determination today. Uh, perhaps uh, you would be making some resolution. Perhaps pastor would ask us uh, sometime in the afternoon, if you're a member here, you've read the covenant again, you've uh, made the promise before the Lord. Uh, is it just all fluff? Or is it real? Can be real, ought to be real. God deserves reality from his people, does he not? The history of Israel is that he never got it from them. Would it be that he would get it from us? Our desire and determination today. This is surely clear as crystal. I have sworn and I will perform it. This is huge language here. Lord, I will give you my word. I will give you my life. I will give you my best. I will give you my all. And we're only two verses in. Anniversaries and birthdays are right times to remember and to reflect and to think of what the potter might be doing with the vessel that I am in his hands. The silversmith, how much more heat is he going to have to apply to my life to look into me and to see his image reflected back rather than the fluff and rubbish of my life that he wants to be rid of and I'm hanging on to so desperately, not willing to trust him. I am resolved to comply, says the psalmist here. Verse 107, I am afflicted very much. Quicken me, O Lord, according unto thy word. A recognition of afflictions here. Uh, you may well have all sorts of afflictions, physical, spiritual, personal, collective, corporate, national, on every level. It's a deep affliction that the psalmist is talking about here. Afflicted very much, not just occasionally, what he's saying here, this is my life. I'm afflicted. They were supposed to have afflicted themselves for a year. Uh, this is a picture of fasting. This is the language of having withheld that which you know you can do. Uh, you can plant your crop. You're a good farmer. You're a good provider for your family. And you're leaving all that and saying, I will trust God to provide for me and for my family. And there's got to be an affliction involved in that because it's a personal choice of saying, I will let God do something that I know full well for the last 49 years I've been doing myself and I'm going to let him take care of me now. Huge decision. First Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, we read, First Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, 
wherein, to, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. What for? That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honour and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. What a lovely thing. Peter knew what that was about. Uh, he is related to write to them, uh, the believers scattered throughout the world of his day, uh, that they're living stones in God's temple. They're made smooth and well-fitting only by the chiseling and the whittling of the master's hand. That's what he wants to be doing with us as well. Grinding and polishing. John knew what this was about in John chapter 15. He talks about the vine that needs to be pruned. Uh, we've got a lemon tree at home and um, a few years ago it uh, developed gall wasp really badly. The whole tree was uh, crippled with gall wasp. Uh, there was hardly any fruit on it. And uh, I'm, I'm not an expert pruner, I tell you. Uh, but uh, I was told you can, you can hack that thing just about back to nothing and it'll be all right. And I'm thinking, oh. The tree is older than we've been in the house and we've been there since 1986. It was an old tree then. Anyway, I chopped it right back to a stump uh, and uh, now it uh, has got growth all over it. Uh, it used to have the occasional thorn now because I was so violent with it. It's got massive thorns that long uh, on every new branch. So you've got to be very careful when you're trying to pick the lemons off it. Uh, but it is flourished and is disease-free because of the pruning, because of the afflicting. Calvary Baptist Church, if you've been here for any length of time in those 50 years, I think Mari's the only one who has. Uh, Brian's not far behind. Uh, we came in the scout hall in 87. Uh, there has been affliction. But as Peter says, it's good. Uh, he knew what it was to be afflicted. We could give testimony here of what it is to be afflicted and maybe we can do that this afternoon for the glory of God. Uh, this is what God pruned out of my life. Uh, this is the rubbish that he blew away because it was just a nuisance to me and an offence to him and it hindered my testimony. So he said, let me heat it up a little bit and then let me blow it off. And aren't you glad he's done that for you? Heated you up, blew off the dross, now there is a refined Christian testimony. 50 years of Calvary Baptist Church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17, the Apostle Paul uh, talks about uh, his um, shipwrecks and his beatings and his scourgings. Uh, and he says, this is my light affliction, but for a moment. Nothing to be compared with an eternal weight of glory. And we say hallelujah, do we not? Uh, we can trade uh, some light affliction, uh, maybe a deprivation, maybe no crop for a year, maybe no crop for the second year. Uh, all my workers are gone, everything's in disarray. Thank you, Lord, for the affliction. In Acts chapter 16, uh, the Apostle Paul went to a place called Philippi to preach the gospel, found some people by the river, um, he's uh, arrested, wrongfully thrown into prison. Uh, he could have avoided all of that by just saying, I'm a Roman. 
hands off. He didn't say that till the next day. So at midnight he could be found with Silas chained to a wall singing the praises of God, probably from Psalm 119 which talks about singing at midnight. And the doors flew open and the earthquake nearly demolished the place and nobody ran away because they wanted to hear the next verse of Paul and Silas's song. Thank you, Lord, for afflicting me. Thank you, Lord, for the, the, the bruised back, for the beating I've received, uh, for your glory that uh, this jailer and his family and the people in Philippi uh, will one day get a letter from me when I'm in prison in Rome again uh, for the glory of God. Thank you, Lord, for the affliction. Thank you that I can sing at midnight uh, of my light affliction. Thank you, Lord, that you have put a thorn in my flesh to weaken me so that in myself I will be nothing, uh, but in that you will be everything. Affliction. We should flourish and thrive in affliction and say, thank you, Lord. How hard is it to do that? When it comes, it's hard, isn't it? It's supposed to be hard. It's good that it's hard. It's a blessing that it's hard. That God would bother to afflict us, to provide for us in impossible ways. The 50th, a year of faith, the exercise of faith, looking to him. The subject here is, is so deep. I've wondered how much of this we'll get through. Our trials, among other Things that we bear are the burdens of others that we get privileged to carry. That's what Pastor was talking about in Ephesians chapter 4. Working together, bearing one another's burdens. And helping, doing the things that God enables us to do. Charles Bridges, uh, as he's writing on uh, um, Peter, the epistle of Peter, says how richly they ought to have prized as conforming us to the image of our suffering Lord. Takes some doing, doesn't it? I am afflicted, we need to be honest, need to acknowledge that. According unto thy word, uh, didn't our Lord say in this world we will have tribulation? So why do we become amazed when it comes? We should just say thank you, Lord. Thank you for the grace to bear it, for the ability to endure Hardness is a good soldier. This is not a picnic. This is not a day off. This is the Christian life in a world gone mad. Gone mad looking for a testimony of something real. And Calvary Baptist Church, it's your privilege to be this reality for your 50th year. What a privilege, what a blessing. And we haven't mentioned Job or any of the things that we could say about our own circumstances today. Great afflictions are hard to bear and they can only be borne in prayer. That's the next verse that we see. Quicken me, O Lord, according unto thy word. Quicken me, make me lively, make me alive, make me vital. And then 108 Accept, I beseech thee, the free will offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me thy judgments. There is a request for revival, uh, a wonderful thing to do in a 50th year. 
Uh, can you imagine if you were, had to leave your fields uh, empty uh, and uh, watch your crop diminishing and being depleted uh, day by day and uh, you know that you can't do anything for the year after that either and you're wondering what's going to happen? Quicken me, O Lord, the free will offerings of my mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, does it not? Out of it are the issues of life. As the sweetness and the fragrance of the incense as it's burnt by the priest in his service, ascending to heaven as a sweet-smelling savour, Thank you, Lord. Quicken me. Teach me, he says in verse 108. Teach me thy judgments. Things that I need to know so I can do what I need to do. Teach me. Give me instruction. Help me learn. Uh, You've probably found uh, that uh, with the Lord, if uh, you don't learn a lesson along the way, um, he often takes us around the block again, doesn't he? And you sort of recognise a few things, like when you're lost somewhere and you think, I've been here before. Not quite sure how I got here. I'm not quite sure how to get to where I want to go, but uh, there's something vaguely familiar here. The Lord wants us to be more than vaguely familiar with trusting him, uh, with foregoing our our own abilities and saying, Lord, uh, this is yours. This is yours. Teach me, quicken me, give me strength at this time of affliction, this time of challenge. Uh, The idea also has the idea of being refreshed. Sometimes we can get stale. Sometimes we can get a little bit sort of crusty, you know what I mean? Uh, Bread that's been there for a little while, too long. Um, Refresh. Refresh me, Lord. Revive me. Um, Make me weaker if that's what it takes. Give me something. Take something away. Whatever you've got to do. And we could give testimony of him having done all of that. Refocus. Vision has been lost. Refine. The perspective is not clear. Re-energize. Give vitality to the old bones, to the worn out mind. Uh, to the zeal that has over a long time become a little bit flat. Lord, let me understand that you are right in all that you do, all that you have given me, all that you've withheld from me. The unploughed paddock, the work is gone, the land returned. I start again with nothing. And yet we have everything. So many contradictions in the Christian life, aren't there? Then verse 109, My soul is continually in my hand, yet I do not forget thy law. A resolution to faithfulness is what we see here. We live in fearful times in Melbourne here. Some of us in New South Wales, some of us in Queensland, some of us from what it's the same everywhere just about, isn't it? Difficult times. But we can't really say that my life is continually in my hand. My soul is continually in my hand. Not here anyway. 
but it is happening in Myanmar today. It is happening in Pakistan today. It is happening in China today. It is happening in India today. It is happening in Kenya, in the Sudan, in Nigeria, in North Korea, in Iran, and you could get the atlas out and you could go country by country where believers are being persecuted for their faith, uh, when pastors are being taken off to prison and never seen again, where church buildings are burnt down and you're living out in the bush somewhere, wondering where your next meal is coming from. And sometimes I complain about stuff here, uh, the mad government that we have, the unrighteousness that is law, uh, the black that is called white and the white that is called black and the insanity that is called normal and we are the sick ones, we're told. It's a crazy world, isn't it? But it's really not as bad as it could be and has been and will be again. So we say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul, said David. Yet I do not forget thy law. That's keeping him going. He encouraged himself in the Lord. He didn't have the whole book that we have. So how much better off are we in that sense? My soul is continually in my hand, yet I do not forget thy law. Our Lord Jesus was familiar with such trouble. The man of sorrows knew what it was to be humbled, to be hated by those he loved, to be rejected by those he came to save. Let us stand firmly on the rock of ages, resolved to be faithful till he comes, watching and waiting, firm and steadfast, 50 years having gone by, perhaps another 50, perhaps another 50 minutes, perhaps not even five minutes. And we should say, thank you, Lord, for whatever it is. Then verse 110, and we're nearly there. The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I erred not from thy precepts. Looking back, we see that the wicked have laid a snare. But he says here, I will remember and be steadfast, yet I erred not. What a testimony. I'm sure that we could give testimony here of the 50 years of snares that the wicked one has laid, of difficulties that have been endured. The wicked one wants to tear us to pieces. The Bible reminds us that he is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. God's word must never be replaced with pragmatism, with socially accepted practices, uh, with useful and harmless things as they seem to be. Uh, and it's already been mentioned today that we ought to be steadfast. Be ye steadfast. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight, And then verse 111. Uh, all we ought to recognise the riches and the rejoicing in them is of God. Our heritage, our inheritance. Men and women look to their fortunes, their properties, their estates, their possessions in the world. But the child of God looks at his heavenly father and to the universe that is his. And he sees that all things are mine, says God. 
the cattle on a thousand hills, the wealth in every mine. doesn't matter whether the paddock's empty or not this year or next year or the year after. God's still in control. He's still on the throne. Every promise will be fulfilled. Every blessing will be realized. The resources of God are without limit. Without limit. And we say hallelujah. The riches of our inheritance are eternal. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, just before the verses we read earlier. An inheritance we have incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept in the power of God through faith, under salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. How good is that? Will not ever fade away is not corruptible, but is eternal. So let's not have a low esteem of who we are, what we are, what we have. Let the heart rejoice this 50th anniversary. What a birthright we have. And then verse 112, we see the heart mentioned again twice in uh, the last uh, couple of verses. Uh, I have inclined my heart to perform thy statutes always, even unto the end. Uh, There is a resolution again in responsibility here. I have inclined my heart to perform. As a child of God, we must run and not be weary. Uh, We must walk and not faint, and we can. Isaiah says that we can do that if we would wait upon him. Every other year the paddock's ploughed, this year it's not because God said don't. So whatever he says to Calvary Baptist Church in the 51st year, whether it's a do or whether it's a don't or whether it's a wait or it's a this way and the light is shining that way and the world says no, you've got to do it some other way, you say thank you Lord, I'll do it your way. A resolution for the 51st. As a child of God, we are able to do these things Uh, these uh, statutes uh, that he refers to here uh, in uh, the last verse, these things that are engraved, permanent, everlasting. God doesn't change. Uh, He's watched over us all, Calvary Baptist Church, here for these 50 years. Uh, And if uh, we were cricketers and we would say we celebrate the 50 But that's just the beginning. The expectation is that there would be another 50, that there would be a 100 coming. We need to get on with it and make a good innings. This is far more important than cricket. That's just a game. Or even a footy match uh, last night or the night before or next week or whenever it's going to be. That's just stuff. This is the Lord's business. We are His people. 50 years, thank you, Lord. And if there would be another 50, how good would that be? And uh, there would be some of the children that are here uh, now as uh, toddlers and young people. They're going to be older than me when you have your next 50th if we all live that long and the Lord doesn't come. What a thing to look forward to. Most of us will be gone, but we need to leave something for them to build on. Uh, Give them a heart to serve the Lord. Knowing that the Lord is the constant companion and the guide. And we ought to incline our heart to him. That's like uh, that new shoot on the lemon tree as it's coming forward and it's still flexible. 
uh, to incline it in the direction that it needs to go. Uh, we ought to be as soft and as malleable as that in God's hand, that he would uh, incline us and our heart toward him. And whatever that takes and however that looks will be different for every one of us because we're all different. But would our together heart be inclined to him, to be ready, to be yielded, to be bent toward him, towards his statutes, towards performing the things, doing the things, committing to him, keeping the things, the permanent things that he wants us to do. So as we close this morning, first of all, can you say with the psalmist, I recognise the power of God to guide me through life and I know him as my saviour and I have committed myself to him. If that doesn't describe you, there are many people here that would love to talk to you about that. It's the greatest need you have, greater than any need you could imagine to be a child of God, to know him, to be saved by his grace. So if you're not sure, speak to somebody, talk to somebody. And then secondly, if you would say with the psalmist, my heart is right with you, Lord. I will trust you. And when you ask me to do something impossible, even before the day is out, I will say, thank you, Lord. I want to do it for your glory. My heart is rejoicing in your goodness or what you've just lost in the past week, past month, past year past 10 years, past 50 years. We've all lost stuff. My heart is rejoicing in your goodness, Lord. And would you say, Lord, please incline my heart to your word, this lamp, this light, this quickening, this refreshing, this enabling, this endurable, enduring word of God. Would our ways be his ways? And would we be able to say, Lord, we thank you for giving us light for the way and that this is the desire of our heart. Let's pray. Our Father, we are thankful. Thankful for your goodness to us. Uh, Thankful for the reminder uh, this 50th uh, in this little portion of your word. Um, Thank you that we're able to commit ourselves to you uh, as a faithful, loving, heavenly Father for whom nothing is impossible. And we gather together to give you glory this day. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.